If you would again uh, take out your Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And today uh, we'll we'll be reading uh, verses 21 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Again, this is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our Lord will remain forever. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this reading of your word. God, we pray now for the preaching of your word. Be with this, your servant. We pray, God, that we would see Jesus today. That we would grow in our knowledge and understanding of Christ and the union he has with his people. We pray that the name of Jesus is glorified. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirit-filled people, and we have seen this uh, the last few weeks, Spirit-filled people speak words of encouragement to one another, praise the Lord, have thankfulness to the Lord for all things, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission, though, is a terribly unpopular concept, particularly in our postmodern, self-actualized world. To submit, for some in our world, is to forfeit the self. And even worse for our culture is for wives to submit to their husbands. Ephesians 5.22 in particular is, it seems, a violation of every 21st century Western sensibility. Now, anytime we come to a passage of Scripture, whether it be controversial or difficult or not... We need to see it in light of all of Scripture and not in light of our culture or our traditions. 
And so before we get into the particulars, we need to see this passage as a whole. First of all, we should note that this instruction to wives bookends our whole section from verses 22 through 33. Now, um, just so, if you note on your outline too, we're only dealing with the first three verses. But I wanted us to have the whole context. And so we need to see uh, this whole section from at least this first part from 22 to 33. And Paul will repeat the same idea again using respect instead of submit. And the second we should note verse 32. And the profound mystery of which Paul is expounding, namely, the mystery of Christ and his church. Now, although we're only looking at verses 22 through 24, they don't stand alone. They're not in a vacuum. They're within a larger context of Scripture. And Paul may be giving practical information about relationships in the family, but this serves a greater purpose of expounding the relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. This makes sense in the larger context of Ephesians. Because Paul has been writing about the unity of the church. He's been talking about the church this whole letter. The mystery... That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body, partakers of the promises of Christ Jesus through the gospel. No longer are non-Jews strangers and aliens, but now they are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God through Jesus Christ. Which is to say that you and I have access to God through Christ. Ephesians 4.4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are united as one body, And we have one head, that is Christ, our Savior. And being part of the body is by grace through faith. We have been rescued out of darkness. We have been brought into the kingdom. We have been seated with Him in the heavenly places. Therefore, believers in the church are to interact with grace, to serve one another in love. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We're to walk in wisdom. We're not to walk like the fool. These are all things that Ephesians has been teaching us. To walk in light and not in darkness. This is all living out the unity of the body, each member being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit operating in us, filling us, we express that unity, we speak, we sing, we make music, we give thanks, and finally, we submit. And these are uh, drawing from the previous verses. These, each of these terms, speaking, singing, making music, giving thanks, and submitting, these are all uh, what are called participles in the Greek. They're like verbal adjectives. And the final participle, submitting, then marks a transition in our text. Paul is going from uh, into more detail on this issue of submission. 
And ultimately, we'll see that all of our submission is to the Lord. And so Christians are to submit to one another, it says, out of reverence for Christ. This submission involves, first and foremost, submitting to the Word of God. And the general submission of the body one to another then includes a particular submission within certain relationships. And so in this section, Paul employs an analogy and a metaphor. The metaphor is the body. We are members of the body. Christ is the head. This is the metaphor. Paul has been using this metaphor throughout Ephesians. He uses it in other places in Scripture. And the analogy is that of husbands and wives. So the family is used as a template to illustrate and apply submission of Christians to one another as members of the body of Christ. But we do have to be careful in this analogy. For for it is not necessarily a one-to-one parallel in all areas of the analogy. We'll see that as we go through our text. That said, familial submission is a picture of the relationship of the church, the assembly of God's people, the bride of Christ, to the head, the head of the church, which is Christ. These various parts of the family then have an analogous relationship to the church to a degree and help us to see more clearly what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so the first relationship which Paul draws on here is the wife. The wife submits to her own husband because this is the picture of the divine relationship of the Lord to his church. The husband loves his wife because Christ loves his bride, the church. Children honor their father and their mother because this is the God-ordained and natural way that children are to come under authority of parents. And bond servants honor their masters just as we are bond servants of Christ. And masters don't lord it over their servants because this would be an abuse of authority. This is, this is unlike Christ. Christ is not lorded over us. Now one more item for us to consider before we dive into this text. Since we're talking about authority and submission. It must be kept in mind that authority and submission does not indicate value or worth. Authority and submission does not indicate value or worth. We must be careful not to conflate these categories. Those who have authority are not more valuable people. Those who submit are not lesser people. All people are made in God's image. And as we've already seen in Ephesians, there is equality in value and dignity within the body of Christ. Even as we have varying roles. The idea that the Bible teaches that women are inferior or that men are superior is simply not true. And greatly distorts what the scriptures actually teach. It is equally untrue to say that employers are superior to employees. 
One part of the body is not of greater value than another. Authority does not equal worth. That needs to be established from the outset in terms of what we are saying and what we are not saying. And as I've said before, uh, we are submitting to someone somewhere. This is a fact of life under heaven. Each of us are under submission. And so today we begin to look at the submission and reverence to Christ and see how this analogy of the wife and the husband plays out as a picture of Christ relating to His church. And so we begin, first of all, with the nature of submission. The nature of submission. What we see given in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, what is said here is actually rather straightforward. It's not very, it's not ambiguous. A wife submits to her husband as she submits to the Lord. Now, before we get too far along in this, I want to highlight a few things. First of all, in Greek, the word submit is in verse 21, but not in verse 22. In verse 21, as I've already mentioned before, it's a participle. In verse 22, it's supplied in our English translations. And so it would read, if we were to translate it more literally, it would say something like this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. So we must ask ourselves, what is meant by submission in verse 21? Is it speaking of authority? If it's speaking of authority, then what does it mean? In what way are we submitting? Do we submit to one another as in come under one another's authority? Do each of us all have authority over one another? Is that what verse 21 is saying? We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Is it the case that everyone submits to everyone else? Well, the answer to that question is yes and no. Certainly we come under authority of the elders of the church. It is also the case that some members of the church may uh, be employed by other members of the church. And so we would submit there too. Which is to say this, there are proper authorities even within the body. But there is another sense that this may be meant, and these are not exclusive, mutually exclusive to one another. Another possibility is simply that the believers are to show respect toward one another, consider others higher than ourselves, give honor to one another. And this actually fits with the parallel passage in verse 32. Whatever is meant in verse 21 of these various ideas, that, I, that needs to be carried into verse 22. Submission, then, might be understood in a number of different ways. Submission to proper God-giving authority, along with respect and honor toward others. To be clear, though, it should be understood that submission is not a distinctly female or wifely characteristic. Submission is a Christian characteristic. The Christian is to consider others before themselves, to serve others, to show honor to other people. All of the virtues which are listed in other places in Scripture, 
And so submission of the wife to her husband, which is voluntary, and for the joy which is set before her, is a characteristic of the Christian. She submits to her husband in the Lord just as the church submits to Christ. Submission to authority does not make one a slave, nor is it forced upon them. This is why I said already earlier, it's voluntary. In fact, the Christian is an object of the love of God, and so ought the wife be to her husband. When it comes to husbands and wives, it must be kept in mind that as Christians, they're also brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is an equality, there's a oneness to them. At the very least, they're fellow image bearers, even if one of them is an unbeliever. There is equality and oneness, and so there is uniting between a husband and a wife. This is, by the way, why Adam refers to Eve in Genesis 2.23 as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam in Genesis is saying, she is like me. We are the same and yet correspondingly different. We are one, we complement one another. Thus, there is this mystical union between husbands and wives. This is the picture that Paul is drawing on. He draws on this later in the passage in order to point us to the union of Christ to his church, his bride. And so the picture here is of oneness, of unity between husbands and wives. She submits to her husband as the body submits to the head. As the church submits to Christ. In each of these cases, husbands and wives, bodies and heads, the church and Christ, these are connected together. You can't have a body without the head. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? They're connected. And so what we have is a beautiful picture of the relationship of the union, and this is analogous to the union of Christ and his church. Now the problem, of course, is that we are fallen people and we live in a fallen world. Our marriages don't always live up to this, do they? We fail to live out the picture But our failures, failures among both men and women, does not negate the picture. In fact, it strengthens the reality that this is really about Christ. Because it is Christ who perfectly exercises husbandly duties for our peace and our joy and for our salvation. And so as the Spirit-filled Christian submits out of reverence for Christ, the wife is to do so to her own husband. She's to show him honor and respect, to follow his lead, because this is what the Christian does toward the head of the church. And again, as I've already said, submission is not merely a wifely characteristic. It is a Christian characteristic. Each one of us is to submit to someone somewhere, whether it be to an employer, the civil magistrate, to the elders of the church. The Christian is to submit himself or herself to proper God-given authority out of reverence for Christ. 
Because God is the one who has established all authority. And so submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is ultimately submitting to Christ. When you and I come under proper authority, we are submitting ultimately to the Lord. Because all authority comes from the Lord. This is clear from Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. When we submit within the structures God established, properly administered, according to the word of God, we are submitting to God, who is our ultimate authority. And the family is the most basic of structures, and thus is an apt way of illustrating the point. Just as there is a connecting intimacy between the husband and the wife, so it is with Christ and his church. Just as the head is connected with the body, so is Christ connected to his church. And so this is the nature of submission. Christians are connected to Christ and to one another as members of the body. Christ being the head. And just as husbands are connected to their wives and wives are connected to their husbands, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Submission is living in the joy of our Lord like a wife delighting in her husband, honoring and respecting him, submitting to him. And this leads us now to the second heading, and that is the ground of submission. This is given in verse 23. It says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So it is here that Paul uses the metaphor and the analogy. The family is a body. The church is a body. This is the metaphor. And the analogy. God has given a structure for the family which is rooted in a created order and in the son's relationship to the church. The problem is that the world has twisted this. And this is, this is true historically. You know, if you look at most of history, men have held an almost complete authority in their families in most societies in the world in most times and places. This was certainly true in the Greek and Roman world. In the Roman Empire, the, the pater familia, that is the father of the family, had the legal right to exercise complete autocratic authority over his extended family. Even to the extent that he could put members of his family to death if he wanted to. That was the kind of power and authority that he had. In addition, going back as far as the 4th century BC in Greece, instructions were given to men on how they were to rule over their wives and children. Paul is moving this Greek and Roman understanding of the world into a very different direction, into a biblical direction. You see, even though Israel was a patriarchal society, one thing that's important to understand is that there's nowhere in the Old Testament that women are subjugated. You won't find that anywhere. Contrary to all the other nations around them. The Old Testament scriptures actually gave women rights when it came to divorce, for example. She was protected from abuse and neglect. Vulnerable women, like widows, were protected and cared for by the community. 
This is contrary to modern day understandings of what the scriptures teach. Paul's instructions here are not the autocratic, patriarchal, or dominating practices of the, of the world in which he inhabited, the Greek and Roman world, but actually what he's teaching is liberating for women. It needs to be made clear that dominating an autocratic rule by the head of household was never a part of the created order. God did not give Eve to Adam for him to dominate. This kind of attitude is rooted in sin and fallen nature of this world. The Christian husband is to lead as a reflection of his Savior. Christ has authority over the church, there is no doubt, but he does not dominate the church. He does not rule us with an iron fist, as it were. Instead, he nourishes and cherishes the church as one does his own body. This is what Paul is getting at in his arguments. Jesus Christ is the Savior who redeems his church by his own blood. He laid down his life for the church because he loves his bride. The Lord Jesus Christ does not dominate his bride. He instead loves her. He loves her as he does his own body, for this is his body. He is the head. And the husband then is not to lord it over his wife. She is his helpmeet, his partner. Consider for a moment Jesus' relationship to his disciples. He does not call them slaves. What does he call them? He calls them his friends. And he loved them. He even served them. The husband's best friend then ought to be his wife. She is part of him. And so the expectation is for the wife to submit and for the husband to serve and nourish and care for his wife because this is what Jesus does for the church. The relationship of the man to his wife is that of head, just as Christ is the head. This is the metaphor that's being used of the body. This is the union they have. This analogous relationship then serves as the ground or the reason for the wife's submission. She is to submit to her own husband because this is what the church does regarding Christ. It would be unheard of for the body to rebel against the head. Or where there is separation of the head and the body. Otherwise, where the head goes, the body goes. They're connected together. This thing in between, right? Called your neck. Holds it in place. As a church submits to Christ, then the wife does also to her husband. But even as um, Paul points... Uh, Paul's making these points through this analogy. There's a, there's a piece of this relationship which Christ has to the church which does not find an analogy within the husband and the wife. Namely, that Christ is also the Savior of the church. This is where we must understand that the analogy only goes so far. We, we ought not press this analogy too far. This is also another clue which leads us to understand that this is more, about more than simply uh, familiar relationships. Paul's not just here writing practical advice to the church. At least not only. 
If all Paul wanted to talk about was the family, then the reason for this last phrase in verse 23, and is himself its savior, would not be very easy to determine. Paul's main point is to teach about Christ relating to the church. And so in a sense, this phrase gives the grounds for Christ's headship over the church. He is the Savior of the church, and thus is its head. And so it is necessary to make a distinction in the analogy. The the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. The husband is not his wife's Savior. But Christ is our Savior. God had come in the flesh. He had lived among us. He died on the cross and rose again. He proclaims good news to the poor, gives liberty to the captives, gives sight to the blind, sets at liberty to the oppressed, proclaims the Lord's favor. He has brought peace. He has broken down the wall of separation between God and men, between men and women. By faith, Christ has set his people from their bondage. He has saved us. He has transformed those who were not his people to be his people. And so he saves and restores and renews us. Jesus is our head and our king. He is the great shepherd of the sheep who leads and cares for his flock, protecting, providing like he would his own body. Human husbands may do many things for their wives. He can love her. He can cherish her. He can provide for her needs and for the needs of his family. He can lead, guide, protect, provide. But he cannot provide salvation for his wife. The husband is not the wife's savior. Instead, the Christian husband is to point her to the great shepherd of the sheep, the ultimate head, the authority of which he himself is under, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he points to. The husband is not his wife's savior. So verse 22 is the nature of headship and submission. Verse 23 is the ground of submission. Verse 24 is our third heading, and that is the scope of of submission. The scope of submission. Now as as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The wife submits to her husband, it says, in everything, which is to say all kinds of things. The submission of the wife to her husband is not limited to one sphere or department of life, but extends to all parts of life. But, this does not mean that the husband has unlimited authority, for that would be contrary to other, the other teachings of Scripture, for only God has unlimited authority. Now, the grammatical construction here leads us to understand the teaching is on the extent of submission, not the degree of submission. There is no authority apart from God which has unlimited power, for all authority is subject to a higher authority, namely God himself. No authority, whether it be the magistrate, Parents, husband, employer, whatever, can demand an obligation which God forbids or forbid that which God requires. 
This answers the question, by the way, of Christian wives who are married to unbelieving or abusive husbands. The wife submits to her husband, but like, but like any Christian, is bound only to follow lawful laws. There's a horrible misapplication of this text to say that wives must endure abusive husbands because she must submit to him regardless. Husbands do not possess unlimited authority. In fact, his authority is limited by Christ, for it is Christ and His Word which He must obey. And so this is the picture that Paul is painting for us. In all areas of our life, we are duty-bound to follow Christ, to be subject to Christ. There is no area of your life which is outside of Christ's sovereign administration. In a similar way, then, the wife is to submit to her husband in all areas of her life. And the husband is subject to that higher authority, which is God. And this is true of all authorities, isn't it? As a husband, a father, as a pastor, an elder in this church, I am bound by the Word of God. Husbands, fathers, elders, employers, civil magistrates, none of these have unlimited authority, for they must come under Christ's authority. And those who violate God's law or requires others to do so are not to be followed. This is why we can say with confidence that the husband's rule over his wife is not one of dominance. The man's authority extends over all areas of her life for the family, but is limited both by nature and the greater authority of God. All men are in all things bound by the Word of God. And this is true of husbands leading their wives and children. These limits on authority can be illustrated by a scene in Acts chapter 5 when the priests and the council had strictly charged the church not to teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and the other apostles answered this, We must obey God rather than man. The council demanded something that was in violation of the word of God, in which case the Christian must disobey. For they must obey God and not men. Our duty and submission is ultimately to God. And this, of course, may cost us personally when we refuse, but we must obey God rather than men. And so what is true in the sphere of governing authorities is also true in the marriage. We're talking about authority and submission. All human authority is limited by the will and the word of God. Now that being said, biblical submission is a beautiful thing. Because, not, but it's not because it's out of duty, but because it's out of love. The joy of the Christian is to submit to Christ. Isn't, the, isn't that the case? Don't we submit to Christ because we love our Savior, because He loved us? The relationship between husbands and wives only works well when there is true sacrificial dying to self. Love from the husband to the wife and from the wife to the husband. And again, therein lies the rub, right? There's always a rub. So we have this picture of Christ in the church 
But we have also husbands, I speak as one, who are sinful, fallen creatures, who are moody, irritable, sometimes emotionally absent. Husbands and wives must be cognizant of the fact that we are married to sinners. But what we do imperfectly, Christ does well. And that's the wonderful thing about this passage, isn't it? Our culture hates submission. And submission is hard for us too, isn't it? Submission is hard because it means that you must trust someone else. You have to trust that they have your best interests in mind. That they're not going to harm you. That they're going to do good to you and for you. This is true in marriage. This is also true in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian comes under the headship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, trusting that He is saving you from sin. That He didn't just make it possible that maybe you could get in. He actually saves you by His blood. And you trust Him that He is saving you. You are trusting that He is your mediator, that He is your redeemer. That in fact, He has opened the way for you to relate to God. The relationship of the church to Christ then is illustrated as a head in a body. Again, that's the metaphor. And as the bride of Christ. That's the analogy. And both of these ideas is connection. We are vitally connected to Christ. And marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ relating to his church. Just as a husband is connected to his wife. And there is mutual love and mutual delight. So it is with Christ and his church. Beloved congregation, don't allow the sins of people, including your own sin, to distort the picture. Christ is the head, and the church is the body. Husbands are the head and are vitally connected to their wives. Human husbands fail miserably. And I speak from, well, I'm a husband and a fallen human being. We fail miserably and regularly in the maintenance of this picture. We don't do this well, but our Savior does all things well. Christ is Himself the Savior of the body. We are in union with Him as a wife is united to her husband. And this is the point. This is really what Paul is driving at. It's the same gospel theme that Paul has been talking about all along in Ephesians. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been united to Him who is the head, and all rule and authority and power and dominion belongs to Him, to Jesus Christ. 
When we consider who we are in this passage, we are, in, in, in some sense, each one of us is really the wife. So, because the church is the bride of Christ. Christ is, that, is the most excellent of husbands whose authority we delight to submit to. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even as we as human husbands fail miserably, and as human wives we fail miserably, we thank you, God, that Jesus does all things well. That he saved his people. That you have called us from all eternity past to be your people. And that you didn't call us to be slaves. You called us to be sons. You called us to be the bride. You called us to be a body. We thank you for all of these, these analogies and metaphors and pictures which help us to understand the, the vital connection we have with Christ our Savior. Father, help us also as husbands and wives to live out the picture though we fail at it. Help us to, to live it out, to, to love one another, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That the name of Jesus would be glorified. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.